Hi, and welcome to Adoption, the journey of becoming chosen. My name is Emily Wells, and I'm grateful you all are back. Um, today, we have a special guest with us, as we do for this season, Geneva Schulteis. And we've known each other a few years, two, three Two, years, three, yeah. Something like that. And um, the way I met Geneva was through her older sister, Taylor. And Taylor was on Young Life staff. And in Indianapolis and um, through our friendship, I ended up meeting Geneva. And so the first time I met her was they were about to go to camp. They were going to this Young Life camp in Michigan. And I was there just helping out. And I was like taking people's names and registering them or whatever. And I just remember Geneva comes running out and she's like, I need a bathroom. <laughs> she's like, I bet I can get into the school. You know, it was like a Saturday. We were in a parking lot and I think she found a place, but that was my very first interaction with her. And my first impression was just like, oh my gosh, this girl is so full of life. I love it. Like it was awesome. And then Taylor and I were really into Grey's Anatomy. I mean, we still are, but she and I was, were like watching it one time at Taylor's house and Jennifer was there. I think she was like doing homework. We we're like, sup, sup. And that was like really it. And then, yeah, we just kind of like, random times have been kind of connected to each other and so yeah I don't know would you add anything to that Jennifer? I would not that sounds perfect okay great um so tell everybody a little bit about yourself like your stage of life what you're up to all of that all right well I'm 21 years old I am a house cleaner nice. I live in Fishers Indiana which is the north something side of Indianapolis <laughs> um, I have a dog, Stella, and we're really close. She's like my little emotional support dog, so she helps me through everything. Love that. And I'm planning on moving out here soon by October. Oh, fun. Anywhere in particular? Hopefully Castleton. Okay, that's so still goal. in Indianapolis. Yes, Castleton. Okay, okay, good. Well, that's exciting. And then tell us about like your siblings, like your family. Okay. You live with right now or that you know they don't live there with you but you know right I have an older brother Matt he's 23 he just graduated from IU but now is going to UND for graduate school I think and then Adam which is the older brother he's getting married in September and he also he lives in Wisconsin right now and Taylor she lives in Cincinnati with her boyfriend and she does Make-A-Wish Foundation stuff. Since this episode has been recorded, Taylor and her boyfriend, Jermaine, have actually gotten engaged. So congrats to you all. My mom, Lisa, she was working on a book about life. And then my dad, Don, I'm not too sure what he does. I'd go finances. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I feel like that is what it's like. Like when you're younger and a kid, people are like, what do your parents do or something? And you just are like, oh, they're blah they're this and then you get older and people are like so what do your parents do and you're like no I really, idea I, really can tell you. I think your dad's like isn't he like semi in retirement or something like he's trying to do yeah some, you know semi-retirement wants to be in finances wants to be an advisor on school board and then I have my biological sister and she's in Boston but she doesn't live with me. yeah you have a lot of siblings and then are you the youngest yes okay of all of them okay great well besides the biological sister she's she's younger younger than me 
And then how long have you lived? Did you guys always live in Indianapolis? No. no. I used to live in Boston. And then my okay. sister and I came here by train with the mom's sister that we were living with. And then I've been here probably since I was in Indiana since probably three and a half, four. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So a long, a long time. Mm-hmm. A long time. So I, I think one of the first times I knew that you were adopted, I feel like it came up in a conversation between Taylor and I. Um, I think she, I had told her that I was adopted and she's like, oh, actually my sister is too. And so like, I kind of knew that I think before maybe I really had known you. And then um, after the podcast was released, you and I kind of reconnected. I think your mom sent you an episode. And so you were kind of hearing about your experience. So can you just start by just telling us kind of the brief, it's not brief, but the overview of just like birth towards all the things that happened to get you to where you are now in a shelter family, like all those details. Yes. So I'm from Riga, Latvia. And so my biological parents, they're alcoholics. So they had me when they were 21 and I think my dad was like 19 or something. And so we were, so I was there for 18 months and then with them for 18 months. And then my sister came along and we were there probably for another 18 months, if that, because social services kept coming to our house like, hey, we're going to take your kids if you don't feed them properly or get them the right bedding. And they ended up taking us to the orphanage. And I'm not too sure how long we were in the orphanage for, but I think it was roughly a year that we were there. And then we got adopted by this family in Boston, which I, yeah, that was, that was an interesting home I used to live in. But when I arrived there, I spoke no English at all. I only spoke Latvian. I don't even know if my sister could speak that well yet, so I don't know if she had an issue, but I guess I was a really quick learner with the language because I spoke English really well, really quick. So then my mom in Boston got super, super sick with some blood stuff. I have no idea. So her sister, Diane, she came and picked us up and we... Me and my sister, Ashleya, we drove, we were, didn't drive. We were on a train from Boston to Indianapolis. Actually, like right by her, she lives, Aunt Diane lives about 15, 20 minutes away from where I live now, which is pretty insane. Um, so we lived, we lived with Aunt Diane for maybe two, three, no longer than six months. And then my sister went back to Boston and they couldn't take, like, my, the family that adopted me in Boston couldn't take care of me anymore because I was just too, I was just too much. Very, very loud, crazy, noxious. And so then I went to live with Aunt Diane's friend. I think it's a friend. Yes, friend. <laughs> and so she she used to give me paint lessons like acrylic paints. She gave me singing lessons, guitar, piano, violin, flute, 
and some other random ones I can't I don't even know the names and so that was really fun actually because I was young and had a lot of energy so I could just literally do anything and my energy would go go away so then one day this lady was taking piano lessons from the girl I was living with and the girl I was living with needed somebody to take care of her to take care of me and so it ended up being Lisa was the one that was taking the piano lessons so she took me in for about a week just to like take care of me or whatever and then ever since then I've I've been here and thriving well so how old were you when you left Boston uh around I'd say three and a half almost four Okay. Somewhere and when around did, there. When did you get to Boston? When I was three, I think. Okay. So you were not there for super long. Uh-uh. Okay. And then you came and Diane was your... Foster mom, you foster. could say, I guess. Okay. Okay. And then how long did you stay with her? Probably less than six months, probably two, three months. Okay. Not Not long. Okay. And then you ended up... With the with Lisa, yes, mom Lisa, yes. Okay, so do you still have any contact with your foster mom? She actually died from her oh, blood wow. disease. Wow. Yeah. What was that? I mean, how did you find that out? What was that like finding out that information? Honestly, I I don't really remember because I just found out today actually that my dad told me that the mom died after I was adopted into this family. Wow. But I always thought that she died, so that's why I came to Boston, or that's why I came to Indiana. Okay. So, so you had, okay. Yeah. What was that, like, finding that information out? It was kind of weird. I, it made me very, feel very uncomfortable because mm. I didn't, like, I don't know, I feel like that's a big part of my story that I've always had my messed up and found out the real real deal Mm -hmm. um and what is your relationship like to Ashley um so a few years back in 20 2018 I went to go visit her in Boston with her and her dad and we got to Boston my parents came with me and we got to Boston. I went to her house and he gave me the binder with all my adoption papers in it from like Latvia, the orphanage, the signing of wow. all the papers when I turned 18. Like I was 18 at that point and I hadn't had any contact with him. And he just gave me the papers and was like, I have something for you. And I was like, what? What do you, what do you have for me? I haven't seen you in 18 years, whatever. I don't really want anything. He's like, oh, it's your adoption papers. And I was like, I could have had these my whole life and we would have, I would have never had ADHD because it was just, I had so much anxiety growing up as a kid that it just mm-hmm. made me hyper. Yeah. And what earlier when you had said <clears throat> like, oh, I was just like, I was too much or too loud or whatever um, for your foster mom. It just, that's interesting to me because I'm like, well, of course you were trying to find your voice. Like you literally came from a country that you've only known and you were a toddler. And for folks who are listening to this, who have 
three-year-olds, whether it's your kid or, you know, a niece or a nephew or a friend's kid, like three-year-olds are learning independence. And, you know, they call it the three-major because they're finding their voice, they're finding their independence. And so for you to come to a country without someone speaking your language, a language where you used to be able to communicate and not really get everything you want, but you would actually get what you needed. Like, oh, I'm hungry. You could say enough words to communicate and then to be put into a different country where someone can't communicate and you can't, like, that would be more than frustrating for a child, for an adult. That would be hard for an adult who, like, can try to figure it out and have some type of independence or, you know, they, they can, they can kind of do things because they're self-sufficient. But for a three-year-old, like it, it's no wonder you, you were loud or maybe angry or had any kind of behavior things because like, of course you would, you know, right. like, that's not your fault. Like, you know, obviously. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't very easy. It's all right. I guess I've been getting through it. I heard your yeah. podcast earlier today about the therapist and I've been going to mine for almost six years now and she's helped a lot she's also adopted too oh wow did you know that going in no I don't think so my mom set it up okay what was that like what are things that you feel like you guys have kind of talked about or I'm sure going to a therapist for six years like I can't (laughs) imagine just you're probably like I have a, a huge laundry list of things that you've talked about and moved through, but what are some things that you have experienced or grown in or like revelations you've had through that? She's, she's helped me a lot. Just like notice that this is my family and that like, this is the family I'm meant to be in, even though I've had all the other families in life, like those aren't my families anymore. So, like, I don't need to get upset when it's, like, their birthday or if they comment on my Facebook post or anything like that. So, I've really been getting a lot better with just, this is my family. These are my siblings. Mm. It was really hard for me for a while because I'd be like, yeah, this is is my brother, but I have a biological sister, too. Or mm. I always wanted to make sure people knew about my biological sister that I was adopted when <clears throat> there was no there was no need for that. Mm. Why do you think that you why do you think that was important to you? Because, I mean, to me, like, I think it was important just because. I didn't really know any better because I was going through family to family to family before I found this one. And for many years, like I was scared that I wasn't going to stay in that family for many, many years. I was like, they could literally take me out tomorrow if they wanted. Like I'm not, I'm not the easiest child to take care of. Like they could literally put me in the system right now. And then what? what Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, like, I just, she helped me realize that, like, this is my family and they're not going to do that because they went through so much trouble to get the second adoption papers that they're not going to do that, that they really, they really do want me. At what point do you feel like you were like, okay, I believe that now? Honestly, um, last, last year. 
I went to Mexico for five months to be a missionary. We went, we lived in Tijuana for three months to do the DTS, which was just classes about how God speaks to you, like to learn how to like read his, like read him instead of like your inner voice and just a lot of cool classes. And I, I was in, I was in an indigenous community in Oaxaca and I lived with this family with one of my friends for four days. And I was like, they have one child and this is their child. And like, they live in this type of like community. Like this is no, this is nothing like home, Mm. but that's how, like, that made me realize, like, I used to live in different homes, but that's nothing like the home I live in now. So it just made me like connect the dots. Like that kid has his family and it's nothing like where I live in, but I have my family and it's nothing like what I've been through. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, it's just interesting to hear you say that because, and again, like I've said this in season one and, you know, other people who've been, who are on the podcast who are being interviewed, will say it forever is that there is no adoptee who has the same experience as anyone mm-hmm. else, even if there's some that are similar. There's um, a woman, Lucia, who she kind of experienced kind of a similar thing where she started out with one family and then ended up going to another. And just for both of you, you both have very different experiences. You both have different feelings towards that. You have different needs and different processes. And so for you, um, is there parts of you that like, in I guess in your mind, when you think about your family, is it like, I just have a lot of extended family. It's not just like, oh, I have this, this, and this, but it's more like, well, I have my family I live with. And then I also have my sister. And then I also have, or does it feel like, no, like this is just my family. Don and Lisa are my parents. These are my siblings. It feels like Don and Lisa are my parents and these are my siblings. Because mm-hmm. honestly, they've helped me through so much. Like they had me through back surgery. They had me, they helped me find out I had fetal alcohol syndrome. And so honestly, like I wouldn't really say anybody else is my parents at this point. Like mm-hmm. they don't deserve the word to be called mom or dad like Lisa and Donnie do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's a really like good perspective. And I'm sure there'll be people who that's not theirs. That's not their story. But I, I think like, even just what I know about you and even what you've just shared, like what you have been through, I think it would be really easy for you to just like not allow yourself to associate with your family. It'd be really easy for you to be like, I'm out. Like I'm, you know, like I'm going to leave you before you can leave me even if they weren't planning to leave you. Like, I just think that's pretty incredible that you, you as a person were able to like healthily attach to your family who loves you rather than feel that like urge to just like leave or just disconnect, you know? I mean, it took, it took, I found out a couple, maybe a month or so ago that my older brother Adam was pissed like he was so mad when I came into the family like Mm. because Taylor was just in high school and that my mom and her were having fights and stuff and then so Adam would be taking care of Matt and then when I popped in it was all of that plus me 
and Adam was just like, no, I, mm. I don't want her in our family. And mm. Taylor was the same way for, I think, for a little bit. Matt, he was too young to really care or mm. whatever, but it took some time. Me and Taylor just – I'd say me and Taylor just now started getting, like, along, like, really good without arguing or fighting or mm. anything like this just this year. We just started getting close. So, and I feel like you know, and uh, you know, for what for whatever it's worth, it's like when older, you know, those videos where you know kids will do like a gender reveal uh-huh. and they really want a brother or sister, and it's the opposite gender, and they start crying. And it's like <laughs> obviously they want that sibling eventually, but they're just like no, and like I have so many, so many friends who have another kid or like a second kid and they're like they're gonna have a hard time sharing the attention and stuff and I feel like for Taylor and Adam they were just responding the way a normal sibling would but to have your life experience and have another layer of abandonment twice that that feels different for you than it would somebody who was birthed into the family yeah you know what I mean like they were treating you just like they would treat you if you would have been born to Lisa and Donna. Right. But it's that, and we've talked about this before with other people or in last season of like things that are air quote normal um, to experience it for, for non-adopted people. Um, they just always feel so much heavier for those of us who've been abandoned or experienced like you experience rehoming or whatever you would call it um having two families um like it just it, it hits different it feels different and the weight of that is different and so it's like it doesn't even matter what their intentions were um that feeling that you had was i'm sure just like intensified just because of your history because of what oh, yeah. you've already gone through you know mm-hmm. i still i still really i have really bad abandonment issues now just like i'll have thoughts in the back of my head like I'll be driving and I'll be like oh I'm gonna text my mom or call her just because like what if she has a heart attack within the next 20 minutes and I didn't get to talk to her Mm. or like what if my dad's out golfing and he has a heart attack who's gonna be able to help him Mm. and it's like I don't I shouldn't think that way but like I'm just scared I'm really scared that something's gonna happen to them out of nowhere Mm. just because like I feel like that's what's happened to me when I was little. So like, it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for sure that makes sense, especially as you already shared that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe part of your healing and your growing, maybe that will change with kind of even the new information you said you learned even just today about um, your foster mom and how she passed away. To af- she passed away after you had come to Indiana, but like growing up your whole life, when you're a child and entering adolescence to think like, Oh, the reason I was abandoned was because someone died. Like that's a, that's like almost like a double abandonment. That's like going to a new place, but then also that person leaving the earth forever. Um, I think that's something that I personally have no experience with, but I can only imagine like the weight of that when you were so young. You know, like, and I'm sure you'll be uncovering layers of that, you know, for the rest of your life. But Oh, yeah. 
And when I, I, when I turned 18, my sister texted me and said, hey, I just want to let you know our biological mom's dead. And I was like, what? Mm. She was like, yeah. And then that was it. And I was like, so now my biological mom's dead. And I don't know how you got proof of that. So 2017. I found that out then. And then the le- a couple weeks ago, I was texting my sister, biological sister, actually. And I said, hey, is... Because she was texting me like, hey, I found our orphanage. I found the names of our parents. I found, like, the city we were actually from. And I was like, this is so random. Like, we we don't really talk. And you just throw information at me. So I texted her. And I was was really upset just because when she talks to me about adoption stuff, it just was like, she used to blame me for, like, our mom dying or that we're not together. And so now I'm just like, I don't really know if I believe you. So I texted her. I said, hey, is our mom actually dead or is she still alive? And you just told me that for no reason. She said, she said, well, I'm pretty sure she is. So for the last three years, I've been thinking my biological mom's dead. But who actually knows if she's dead or not? Wow. How did you feel after that happened? I'm still processing it, honestly, just because how can you, like, you know it's somebody's birthday. It's your Mm -hmm. biological sister's birthday. She has no other siblings Mm -hmm. besides me. And so she just texted me that randomly and was like, yeah, our mom's dead. And I was like, what? So then I texted her, whatever. She was like, yeah, I'm not sure. I think so. And I was like, so, like, I, I don't know. It did a lot of damage to me the past three years thinking oh my mom my biological mom's dead because it just I don't know I don't know it's it's had me like I've had issues with my mom and like trusting her and women in general or girls in general just because every every like parent that I've had in my life has been a woman I've never had a father, so I don't really have problem with trusting my father because he's the only father figure I've ever had that mm-hmm. I can remember, the only one. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. It just makes me appreciate my mom more. So, like, there was there ever a time, like, obviously not now probably, but or maybe in the future, but... Has there ever been a time where you like wanted to meet your biological mom or like if there was an opportunity, were you ever interested in that? No, I've never been interested in meeting. Never, honestly. Mm. Like I used to not ever want to go to Latvia either. And then for a while I was like, yeah, I'll go. And now I'm on like, yes, no, yes, no. Some Mm. days it's different. Some days it's not, but. No, I don't want to meet them. They're, I'm. This is my family now. I don't need to meet them, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Um. What would be your reasons for not wanting to go to Latvia, and what would be your reasons for wanting to go? Like, what would hold you back from going? Hold, holding me back from going would be that this is going to sound really mean, but my biological sister wants to go with me, and I don't really want to share that with her. Just because I don't want to find out information about Latvia or 
something that she's found out that she hasn't told me until we go there together. So that's mm. like, that's what that would hold me back. But to go, I want to see the city. I want to see, I, I don't know. I just want to experience the culture and see what it's like. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I think I had a, I had a priest when I was little that was Latvian or he knew Latvian and everything. So he had a birthday party one time at the church and he made authentic, Latvian food wow. and it was delicious how old were you I was probably I think I was four or five I just joined the family wow that's crazy and it was so good and I've never had food that's tasted anything like it mm, yeah and it's like oh I want some yeah so then if you go there it's like you get to I mean that would be I think for anyone who is adopted from a different country, like outside of America, obviously, um, and you're adopted into America, I feel like all of us kind of have this like confusing relationship to our birth country and like our culture and where we came from. And I think we all have different reasons why we would or wouldn't want to go back. And I like I was just watching this video and it was um, an Indian family and they were talking there are several women, Indian women in the video and they're all cooking together and they're like, oh my gosh, your mom did this or I grew up with this. And they all had this like collective experience, although they came from different families. And I just was like, oh, like that is something that I genuinely wish I had. Like, yeah. I know there's like stereotypes of um, like Korean families and Korean parents, uh, but I obviously don't. I didn't grow up with Korean parents. Um, And so to me, I'm like, those are kind of things that I like, if I ever do have a family that I would want to incorporate. And I want to incorporate that for myself as well. Like I I don't want to have to wait until I may or may not have a family. But that's something that I like am so curious about and desire to just kind of fold into my life. So it's like really um, seamless. And one of my friends, Kimmy, who will be on here, um, she's done, I think a really great job. She has, um, biological and adopted kids. And so she she has like a mix and she's, I think really come really full circle of being able to embrace her Korean side and share that with her family while also embracing her kids, um, culture as well. And so it's very, I'm like, that's very inspiring to me. And so for me, I'm like, those are things that I want to like incorporate. And so it's like for you, I think that's awesome that you're kind of at this place where really the only thing holding you back would be like who you went with, which you're in full control of. Right. For you to be able to be open to go and see and eat and experience, I think would be amazing. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. I want to, if I ever have kids, which hopefully I do, I want to, I want to like, Take them when they're young, mm. medium, and old, and just like retell them the story about their mom being adopted. I feel mm. like it could be really special. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, I totally agree. And like it helps you, in my opinion, it's like this is your family history. You know, like right. families always have these stories of like, oh yeah, grandma so and so, or grandpa so and so, or great, 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 whatever. Like these stories that are almost like, heirlooms that are passed down in their stories like 
you have one that's super unique to you and your family, but would be just like a part of your family story. And I think that you're so young. Like, I don't know if you don't like being told that, but you are young to already be processing this and sharing and being open. And I do feel like you are someone who talks about this with your family and your friends. It's not like a secret. And I think Mm -mm. people in my generation who are adopted, we were much more like shamed, like ashamed and kept things to ourselves and didn't open up. And so I love just how open you are and frank and matter of fact about just like your experience in your life and everything. I think it's awesome. Thank you. I ended up editing out a little bit of this because we just started laughing for about five minutes because Jennifer was like, I don't like compliments. <laughs> what was your relationship to your family? Like, what was that like coming into the family? What are the early memories you have? You know, did you, you know, you shared about Taylor and Adam's response. Like, what was your response to being a part of this new family? I mean, I don't remember much, mm-hmm. honestly, but I do remember I loved getting all the attention because it was always on me yeah. because I was the one that was always getting sent up to my room. Like I'd be, I'd be doing something stupid just so I could get the attention. Like, Jennifer, go up to your room. Okay. I'll go. Yeah. I have all my toys upstairs. Like, don't worry about me. I'll be oh. fine. It's no punishment, mm-hmm. but you're yelling at me. So that's tension. Mm. So that was the early stages, like, I just got all the attention. One time, oh my gosh, my mom shared shared this story with me multiple times. One time we were on a walk, and I was walking too fast or running too far or whatever, too far in front of her, and she hid behind a bush. And I, like, looked back, and I couldn't find her anywhere. So I started bawling my eyes out and she came out and was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to do that. And like, she told me that now. And like, she didn't realize that like I had that big of abandonment issues. Mm. I was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I mean, from now and then, like if she were to hide from me, I'd probably just keep walking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because you're somewhere. (laughs) That's so interesting. I remember um, this was when I was young. uh, When we went to the grocery store, my mom like prepared me if we ever got separated, like what to do. So I think I was, I mean, I was like kindergarten or, you know, whatever age I was to be able to remember something. And we were at this, I think we were at Wesselman's or Schnucks, one of the local grocery stores in my hometown. And um, I remember she was like, if we ever get separated, you go to the front of the store tell them you're looking for your mom, tell them my name and they'll like get on the microphone. And so growing up, I had so much anxiety being at the grocery store and my mom meant nothing by it. But I feel like what she was saying was like, hey, heads up, we'll probably get separated. And looking back, like the anxiety I felt going to the grocery store really was because I was like, oh, this feels like guaranteed abandonment. And there was a time where, I kind of wandered off and my mom like went around the corner and I like panicked and I like was crying and I ran to the front. I was like, I got to find my mom. And you know, they, she was like right behind me, but I had that same kind of reaction of like, I was terrified. And, you know, I was, this was like early on in my therapy and I was saying how I hate going to the grocery store by myself. And so I like, wouldn't go, like I would either have to be on the phone or I'd like have to ask someone to come with me. 
And I was talking to my therapist and I was like, you know, I'm about to be 30. It feels like this should be something I should like get over. Like I should be able to like go to the grocery store by myself, you know, and not be like anxious about it. And she, you know, we kind of talked and then I shared that story, not really connecting it. And she's like, well, that makes sense why you're anxious to go to the grocery store. And I was like, for what reason? And she's like, that story <laughs> when you were a kid, like that makes sense that that would have a response to you. And I think acknowledging that and saying that out loud, I was like, oh. And so I remember like my homework that week was to like go to the grocery by myself and remind myself like I'm an adult. I'm going to be okay. Like I'm not being abandoned in the grocery store. My mom was never going to leave me like, and it's okay. And it's, it's these things that we can laugh about these stories and be like, oh my gosh, remember when, but again, when you have these levels of abandonment that are just part of your DNA, things that things can trigger that abandonment. Like, like it's nothing. Oh, instantly. Instantly. I can say that when I did go to Mexico for the first time, because I was leaving the country for five months. I wasn't, I was way far across the country from my family. Like, honestly, like I had, I like kept myself strong to like show them I wasn't scared because I didn't really want to be like, yeah, I'm scared that when I come back, you're not going to like who I am or you're not going to like that I changed or you're going to like me too much and it's going to be weird or I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess when I was in Mexico, I was just scared that they were, they, I don't know. Because I did become a whole new person when I came back from Mexico. They accepted it. And I thought they could just run away and just be like, we don't like you. We don't we don't like the new person you are now. Like, we haven't seen you in five months. Or just get mad that I went. Or I mean, none of it's true. They wouldn't get mad for me doing missionary work. Like, I don't know why you'd get mad at somebody for doing that. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it was reversed. I was like, what if they abandoned me? Mm. just because I changed Mm -hmm. I mean that makes sense to me like knowing what I know about your story like when you were both from Latvia and in Boston like you didn't do anything I know you say like oh you know I was like loud or whatever but that's like not a reason for someone to experience abandonment like this isn't like, oh, like I bought a refrigerator and there's a loud hum and it's not what I wanted. I'm going to return it. Like right. you as a human being are not returnable. Like that's not what we were intended for. And so it's like another level for you. So of course that, I mean, it makes perfect sense that when you go somewhere that you're like, if I come back different, is this going to be like the last time? Even right. if you cognitively understand that there's just like, this wiring in our bodies as adoptees because we've experienced about abandonment and even the like circumstances of yours both times like that creates an even I mean the target for a trigger is just like exponentially larger than someone like me who was adopted at three months and then I stayed with that family like there's all of these moving pieces in your story and so many others that like, well, of course that was your fear that, yeah. Like what else would you have really 
been led to feel, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like as normal and abnormal as that is. Right. It makes sense to me. And that's what matters really. Mm-hmm. As long as it, like my story and like my thoughts don't really, like I want people to understand, but like if you don't, then I can't really help you, you know? <laughs> It doesn't change your story. If someone right. doesn't understand, it's they don't. the same thing. Mm-hmm. You got to say it again, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, right before we started recording, um, Geneva showed me something. She's like, oh, you got to see this. So tell them what you showed me right before we started recording. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I So I have like a it, – it's called a pertinent card, which is like a green card. And it has the picture – of me when I was in Latvia coming to the United States so I could enter in and I have it's it looks like my picture looks like they straight up put a bowl on top of my head and took scissors and just chopped it around my head <laughs> and I have I have a white little collared shirt on with like red frail around it to make it look pretty oh but you are so cute, really. Though. <laughs> it's like you're just you're just so just little and cute, and and then she was saying, tell them what you were saying of like when you the reason one of the reasons you probably carried around with you. Oh, I carried around with me because people would be like, I'll tell them I'm adopted or whatever because everybody thinks I look like my mom because I do. I look like Lisa a hundred percent. They'll be like, you're not adopted, proven. It's like, <laughs> all right. So I show them the picture. And they just start laughing at the picture, but it's like, it's proof. Like, I'm adopted. I'm not from here. But mm-hmm. <laughs> how how many people would you say when they find out you're adopted don't believe you at first? Like, what percent? Growing 50. Up? Really? Yeah. Because wow. my older brother, would Matt, would tell people, yeah, my sister's adopted. And they'd be like, no, she's not, bro. Like, she looks just like your mom or... Taylor would say something to somebody that I'm adopted and they'd be like, no, dude, she looks exactly like your mom. Like, there's no way she's adopted. And I got that all throughout middle school, grade school, high school. Like, probably you look like your mom. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess, but like, not really. I don't see it. Did you like that people thought that you looked like your mom? Or is that like, what did you feel? weird. That's, that to me, that's just like, it still is weird. Like people will say, Hey, you look just like your mom. And it's like, thank you. But like, I'm adopted. Like we have none of the same genes. Like nothing of us is the same besides Mm -hmm. the same family. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just weird. makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My sisters. So my two younger sisters, they're both Chinese, but from different parts. And when we're together, people are like, oh, you guys look alike. And to me, we're like, we really really don't actually look alike. And also, I'm from a different country than them. (laughs) And they're from different regions than, you know. And so it's just like, you're always like, for us at least, we're always like, do I like tell them? Because if I say something, they're going to feel stupid. But then if I don't say something, I'm like not being my true authentic self. And so it's like, you're going to like, ah, actually I'm adopted. Like no one ever thinks I look like my parents because they're straight up white. And so <laughs> right. that's never like in question. But I have always wondered that for people who are white and adopted by white people or black or Asian or whatever, and you kind of look, you could look like them. 
right. um, like what that is like growing up. And one of the guys, DJ, who is um, in season two, his daughter, who is adopted, really does look like them. And they just had a biological child and they look alike. And so it's just kind of like interesting when when that happens, you know? Yeah. What I'm learning in this process is um, how many people had multiple homes that they weren't just like adopted one time and they experienced that. If you could go back in time and tell your like five-year-old self something, like what would you go back in time and tell her? I'd probably tell her to like settle down like this is your home now whether you like it or not because I was just worried constantly like every single day I'd wake up and be like I hope this isn't my last day Mm. so like I guess just like I'd probably tell a little kid to like make sure they have like try to get closer with your parents so you can trust them for when you're older Yeah. That's what I'd say. That would have been really scary growing up thinking this could be my last day. Like that's a really scary thought. Yeah. But I feel like if I would have been closer to my parents instead of like just lashing out and being hyper or doing things to get attention, if I would have just like tried and like actually sit down and watch a movie with them or sat down and did more puzzles or I don't know just spent more time with them even in high school and now I'd I'd probably trust them a lot more do you feel like there's parts of you that still wonder like is this my last day even if you like know cognitively that it's not like does that fear or that like feeling still come up sometimes yeah Hmm. Yeah, it's more, to me, it's more being accepted of the family Mm. that I think about. Like, am I still accepted into this family? Like, I have tattoos and ear piercings and nobody else in my family allows that or likes that. Or so am I still accepted because I I like to express myself. Like, Mm. so I don't know. I'm just, I still get scared. Like, I wonder when I grow up, are they still going to accept me? Because I don't know where I'm going to be at life. I didn't go to college. Everybody else went to college. So, like, do they really accept that I didn't go to college to get a degree? Or do they actually accept it? Like, mm-hmm. they're proud of me, you know? I mm-hmm. don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, the things we need to tell our five-year-old self or sometimes the things we need to tell ourselves now. And... I remember, I think I talked about this in an episode, but I just remember my therapist talking about this idea of like, when you have those triggers, like you go to your seven-year-old self and you're like, listen, I've got this. Like, uh, we're going to be okay. I'm an adult. Like, we're going to be okay. And it's like, that does not change sometimes when you're an adult. Like you still have to like reparent yourself and you still have to like remind yourself of just, like that you are loved, you know, mm-hmm. my today, she said, um, I, she's like, I think it all boils down to love. That's what we're all looking for. Mm-hmm. Say, like I want success. I want to do this. Well, I want to improve. I want to get this place in my job. I want to have a family. Like 
we can put all these goals out and we can say all these things, but ultimately what we're all desperately searching for is love. And we're, we're asking the question, will I be loved if? Do you make it harder for yourself to let people love you or no? If that makes sense. That does make sense. Yes, I would absolutely say yes to that. And that's something that we literally just talked about today about commitment and trust and how for me, I have a hard time wanting to commit to people because I don't trust that they'll stay. Right. And I don't I don't trust that I can like let them in and I think that's just something like again we talked about this like I will go to the grave with that and I can work on it and and take little baby steps but like we all are going to deal with something until you know we move on to the next part of life after death and that to me is mine is like trusting people to come into my inner world and believing that I'll still be loved because that's really terrifying because it's like letting someone in on that these harder parts is just it's very scary so what about you yeah I think I think yeah I'm very high maintenance and I get scared that like you don't actually love me so then I pull back and will do things that will actually make you not like love Mm -hmm. me or like me or want to be around me I've gotten a lot better at it though but yeah I think I'm a very hard person to love yes Mm. Do you feel like it's actually true? Like I'm hard to love or do you feel like that's more like in your mind playing tricks on you? Or you're I think I'm actually to... hard to love. Like mm. I actually, I've heard it before. Like Jennifer, you're a hard person to love. And it's like, I know. What do you want me to do about it? Nothing. So, mm. you know. And the, and the honest truth is that we all are hard to love. For yes. I'm not trying to like take that away from you, but someone out there is telling all of us you're really hard to love I have plenty of people in my life that I feel that way about there's plenty of people that feel that way about me but again that piece that's different between you and I and other people is that abandonment Mm -hmm. and I think that's the hard part is like that this is what I've learned and I don't know if this is like bible true but this is what I have learned is that um people treat me the way they treat everyone else but how I experience is different than everyone else mm-hmm. because of the levels of trauma or abandonment. And other people have their stories where they grew up with something or they've had a trauma. This isn't just adoptees, but for us who've experienced actual abandonment and having to fend for ourselves and even, and that's more around the idea of love, like having to like, you know, coo ourselves back to sleep and not having someone to like, hold us and tell us it's going to be okay. Or we don't have that consistency as a child, which we know through child development, that that is so important. And so when these things happen to people like you and I, it feels so much deeper and it cuts in, in different ways than people even realize. Right. And I think that's something that I, I don't really know what to do with that. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's something to be fixed, but I think it's something to be talked about. Like, yes. Do you feel that way with your friends? Yes. Like what, what do you feel about, or like say more? 
so like I have a friend Allison she's the kindest person she's loyal she's genuine she's funny she laughs at all your jokes (laughs) literally all of them and it's great because you feel appreciated but like I'm that high maintenance friend that's like okay let's hang out now let's do this now like now 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 and so sometimes when she says no I'm just like okay I overdid it and then she'll say no again and I'll be like okay so this is two days in a row so does she actually like want to be my friend anymore Mm -hmm. or I think that way a lot like I'll ask her like hey you want to watch a show together or hey like you want to go on a walk? And she'll be like, no. And it's just like, okay, I get you don't like the outdoors, but like, please. And she'll mm-hmm. say no again. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, well, maybe she doesn't want to be my friend. And it's so easy to go there. Oh, um, yeah. It's, there have been times <laughs> where my friends will be doing something. Like there was this one time I was like working on this paper and um, they were all going to watch The Bachelor. And normally we always watch The Bachelor together. And they sat in the other room because I was working on my paper. Of course, they're not going to sit in the same room as me. They're being respectful. And I was like a grown adult at this point. I was late 20s at this point. And I started crying. Like it was like the heat that like when you cry, it's like your tears are warm. And I literally was like, what in the world is happening? (laughs) Why? It's The Bachelor. It's going to be recorded. I can watch it on Hulu tomorrow. Like, what is happening? And I was like, calm down, like, whatever. But in that moment, I felt abandoned. Like, I felt left. I felt like all those feelings just came rushing out. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm a grown woman. What is happening? And I can go there in my mind of like, oh, my gosh, my friends hate me. They don't want me to be here. Like, I can go those places. But then because of counseling and just growing up and self-love really, and and for me, my faith, it's like, I can stop myself and be like, wait a second, what's really happening right now? It's like, okay, they're being respectful to me. They're being good friends by watching it in the other room, because obviously I need to finish my paper and they're not going to like watch this while I'm sitting here trying to do work. And I was able to kind of like calm myself down and rewire my brain in a way to like not have that type of like intense reaction. And that's not saying that you shouldn't have that kind of reaction, but I think what you're feeling is super normal for adoptees. I think it's normal for people, but it's also really, really normal for adoptees. But because a lot of times we're not connected we think something's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. But really, all that was happening was like your abandonment was being triggered. And that's like, that's super normal. And that's something that we all have to work through. And I think that's why I'm so excited about bringing people together on this podcast and connecting people to one another. Because when you start hearing other people have experienced similar things or their life, there's, there's bits and pieces that are similar you start feeling like, okay, I'm not as crazy as maybe I thought I was. Right. I'm not alone in this. And I feel a little bit more like a part of something, like I belong, you know? Right. Honestly, I've I've never met anybody that hasn't been adopted like six months or mm. like 
nobody's nobody i've never met somebody who's been adopted at like a late age like me or mm. even gone through more stuff after that like everybody's like yeah i'm adopted but like i was adopted like two weeks after i was born and it's like can't relate i i don't really know what that feels like <laughs> i mean i'm glad you're adopted really i am but I've just never, I don't know. I'm excited to listen to the podcast too and see other people's stories. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening. That's our episode for today. As always, you can find next week's episode on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It'll be available on Wednesday. So thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>